Good morning. Stand with us as we worship. Break every captain and break every chain, oh God. 
Sunday morning, you've got so much going on, and you finally get here, and it's like, oh, okay, we're here. And then you see your kid do something, and you're like, oh, hold on. So just welcome here. I invite you to prepare your hearts for worship. Take a deep breath. We're here. We're together. We're here to worship God. And uh, I'm just so excited to bring our best before God this morning. Let's pray together. Spirit divine, inspire our prayer and make our hearts your home. Descend with your gracious power. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come as the light, reveal our need and lead us on the paths of life. Come as the fire, cleanse our hearts with purifying flame. Come, let our whole life be an offering to the Redeemer's name. Come as the dove, spread your wings of peaceful love, and let your church on earth become your church above. Spirit divine, make this lost world your home. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Amen. Seeing
sing for joy. Abide with me. Abide with me. Abide with me. Good morning, New Life. Yeah, my name is Eric Ben Eggman, and I am uh, pleased to be your host this morning. For starters, we want to invite the children down uh, who are going to continue to worship, uh, but downstairs today. So if you are um, age three to five or grades one to five, come on down and have a seat uh, on the front here. And we would like to play, pray a blessing upon you before you head downstairs. So come on down. Ages 3 to 5 or grades 1 to 5. And if you are serving in the delights, our kids' church this morning, please also come down and uh, we'll pray a blessing upon you as well. All right. Congregation, please extend a, a hand of blessing upon these uh, beautiful children. Father, we, we thank you for the, the privilege of being able to share the gospel and share your word with these um, children that are before us here today and that we are responsible for uh, to, to spread the good news to them. Bless them this morning as they go downstairs, have some fun, and, um, and learn about your love for them in, in ways that, in which they may understand. Bless the leaders, too, who give up their time and energy. Give them the words to say. And, uh, and the actions and, and let them be uh, agents of your love as we strive to uh, influence their faith journey in ways that they can understand that will plant seeds uh, far into the future. So bless our children and bless the leaders. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, little lights. 
and leaders can exit to the left, and kids' church and leaders can exit to the right. Parents, feel free to escort them uh, if you need to, or uh, let them go down with the leaders. Again, welcome and so happy that uh, we are together. Uh, I myself have been away two Sundays in a row, and it's always uh, just a wonderful time to come back to my, my home church. It's always great to be here and worship with uh, my church family. If you're a guest with us here today, uh, we ask that you fill out a Connect card that you'll find in the seat in front of you and, and bring it to the info booth, and, which is in the, in the foyer and you will receive a gift um, when you uh, hand in that Connect card. And welcome, too, to those who are worshiping with us online. Uh, We encourage you to also uh, let us know who you are and who you're watching with, and and also feel free to interact with each other, uh, those others who are watching online as well. Interact with each other during the service would be wonderful. Uh, we want to bring to your attention the, uh, our New Life Live. It's our semi-annual uh, congregational meeting, uh, which is next week, Wednesday. Not this coming Wednesday, but the week after on December the 6th. So mark that in your calendar, uh, December 6th at 7 p.m. It'll be a different format than what we have uh, traditionally and historically done. Try to shake it up once in a while, and, and I think this is a great... Uh, um, plan that the board has. Uh, after the financial statements are presented, uh, which is uh, which is w- what we need to do in terms of the uh, our annual general meeting requirements, um, the congregation will sit in small groups at a table, and at each table will be a board member, and uh, and the the, the discussion uh, at that table is uh, to talk about New Life's mission. And, um, and vision. Our mission, as you know, is uh, touching lives with a transforming love of Jesus. And, and uh, so we can talk about that mission and, and vision. What, is, what does the Lord have in store for us as we move forward? So it's a great opportunity to be interactive with one another and with the board. Um, staff has also been very busy uh, preparing a video to update uh, the congregation on the various uh, ministry activities that have been happening uh, at New Life and, and uh, this fall. The formal part of this meeting will be live streamed and uh, hard copies of the New Life package uh, that includes the meeting agenda, the financials and other details are at the info booth uh, and feel free to grab one otherwise you can get an electronic copy um, at newlifecrc.ca slash events. So mark that in your calendar, December 6th at 7 p.m. And uh, something as important as, as uh, mission and vision, uh, the more voices at the table, the better. Our offering today is um, for the ministry to seafarers. 
Um, it is a ministry to seafarers in Vancouver. It's a chaplaincy ministry focused on support for and outreach to seafarers who pass through the Port of Vancouver and also Point Roberts. When I was a kid, um, the, uh, there was the, some, some of you long-timers might remember the name uh, Reverend Dresselheis. He was a famous, a famous man in, in, in my mind, and uh, he had actually visited our family home. He was the initial um, chaplain for this ministry that started in 1970 by classes uh, BC of the Christian Reformed Church. Today, uh, Gary uh, Rusma, I think, an ordained minister with the CRC, is chaplain, and they provide ministry to um, to the seafarers from the cargo ships that go to Point Roberts and to the part of uh, Vancouver and to touch those their lives with a transforming love of Jesus that hopefully can influence the lives when they go um, to uh, back to their homes. And uh, we want to invite you to watch just a short video um, about this, this important ministry. So here's a quick video, a little one we shot of uh, a recent ship visit, just to give you a picture of what I do, what we do in the Ministry to Seafarers. Um, we uh, go on board uh, ships at different ports. This is particularly a container terminal. And uh, we bring on care packages for the crew and literature, and we just uh, spend some time chatting, making sure everything's okay on board, checking out how the crew are, are doing, and uh, it also giving directions and if they need rides or anything like that. So we try to, to minister to them in that way uh, practically, but we also at times will have opportunities for uh, prayers, for um, even occasional services on board, and um, so and sometimes we have services back at our center as well. So just different ways of trying to reach out to the crew gives you a little picture. Um, in the port these days, we are uh, summer is always a bit of a quieter time in the port. The, the grain harvest is finished, and we're waiting for the new the new harvest as well um, the container terminals tend to be a bit quieter but this year has been exceptional because um, of the labor strike and there's just been a general downturn in, in traffic so it'll be interesting to see we're anticipating uh, September and October are generally busier times with all the Christmas merchandise arriving particularly in the container terminals so uh, it will be interesting to see uh, how how things fare this year because it's been exceptionally quiet for the last number of months so uh, we'll see how that goes but um, and so we're gearing up for that and of course gearing up for Christmas at sea which will be happening uh, later in the year so we're excited about that um, I love the work here for me it's the heart of it is working with seafarers from all over the world I get to having a missions background um, I I just uh, love interacting multiculturally with so many people and uh, being able to help them and also share with them the hope that, that we have. Um, and so many people don't realize what's happening in the port. It's a hidden part of the world for so many, so to, to be able to even share that with 
uh, others like yourselves um, is a great opportunity. So um, it's uh, it's a privilege and a huge opportunity to be able to, to work. So thanks for your care and concern for the work here, for your prayers, and uh, for all your support. We appreciate it and wish you God's blessing too. Thanks. here for your prayers and uh, for all your support. We appreciate it and I wish you God's blessing too. Thanks. So you can give you can give of your um, offering electronically in the ways listed on the screen or bring it to the offering box uh, at the front during our fellowship time which is going to happen in a few minutes. Please include your full name and gift designation. Uh, in the memo line of your e-transfer or gift through the New Life app. If a gift is not designated, it will be assumed to be for the New Life general budget. Let's pray for this, this ministry. Father, we pray a blessing upon the ministry to the seafarers. It's a way in which... Uh, we can touch the lives of those who are spending most of their their days on the seas and um, touching port and um, it's an opportunity to share the gospel with them. We pray for Gary Rusma, um, Pastor Gary Rusma, as he um, partners with other agencies to touch as many lives as possible. Um, through the transformation, transforming love of Jesus. Bless that ministry and all that they do. Um, and bless those um, who receive that, uh, the, uh, these blessings and, um, and, and um, yeah, we just pray uh, that, you, uh, that you bless that ministry with abundance. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now we're going to enter our three-minute uh, fellowship time. Uh, during this time, we encourage you to meet somebody new. If you haven't uh, met them before, just introduce yourself. And uh, a church family is a family that uh, where we would love to know everybody and each other. So uh, greet somebody who you don't know. And uh, it's also a time where you can bring your offering uh, to the box. And if you need an icebreaker question... Uh, to ask somebody, ask them if they have their Christmas tree up already in, uh, in November. So, thank you.
All right. Good morning, everyone. Would you find your way back to your seats? We can do more coffee time fun at the end of the service. I'm sure we will. So a big shout out this morning um, to all those dads who made it to church despite the fact that their wives are at the women's retreat. Let's just give it up for them. Their children's hair may be messy, but they made it. They made it. They survived the weekend. So um, Sharon, uh, my wife, uh, also was at the women's retreat yesterday, and, and uh, my foster kids were like, it's guys' night. Let's eat chicken, Dad, and stuff that's bad for us. I'm like, okay, okay, I'm in. Also, you know, uh, Eric, uh, you were talking about um, Pastor Dresselheis. And I always remember, um, he was at our house at one point, too. I don't know why. But he had this very specific way of talking, right? Pastor Dresselheis. He had a very specific way of talking. And um, I, never, I don't know why I remember that, but I do. All right, hey, we're, we're going to um, look at a story uh, this morning. Um, it takes place on uh, the road to Emmaus from Jerusalem. And because this is the last week of this series uh, at the table, I thought we'd have a little bit of fun. And so just we're going to start with a little quiz to see how knowledgeable you are on the subject of road. All right, so let's just, um, we're going to flip through some of these slides here. Here's the first question, see if you can get, a, get this one right. A book by M. Scott Peck, The Road Less Well done. Well done. Okay. I thought that might stump a few of you. Number two. A movie made in the 80s featuring Patrick Swayze. The title is Roadhouse. See, I heard a lot more guys on that response. Girls were like, what? But it has Patrick Swayze in it, so. All right. Number three. Ancient reference. All roads lead to Rome, right. Okay, not Seven Oaks Shopping Mall, although this Christmas that may be the case. Number four, The Beatles. Well, okay, could be, but Abbey Road is not with a the in front of it. So it's the long and winding road. Yes, okay, well done, you Beatles fans. Number five, something you would do if you decided to be a better, to be the better person than your counterpart, you would take the high road. That's right. Not the higher road, the high road. Number seven, or six rather. Hit the road and don't you come back. Wow. You guys are into this. All right, number seven. Horse manure. Road. Road apples. That seemed to confuse a few of you. Anyway, number eight. Let's get this show on the road. That's right. You may be thinking about that when it comes to the message. Number nine. This is where the blank hits the road. The rubber hits the road. That's right. Number ten. Just a few more. Having a centrist attitude, you are middle of the road. That's right. Number eleven. You have a problem. It's a What's the answer? Bump in the road, that's right. Okay, number 12, last one. Another Beatles reference, the, the Yellow Brick Road. See, you guys are experts on roads. You are, and there's a lot of references. We're going to get to a few more. Um, but let's, um, as we open God's word today, um, let's, let's go to him in prayer. 
Father, we, uh, we ask that your spirit would fall fresh in this place this morning, would fall fresh in our hearts. Um, Lord, speak to us through the power of your spirit. Move past our defenses. Um, speak to our hearts and change us. Transform us. That's our prayer this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So as I mentioned, last week of this series called At the Table, At the Table, it's a message series in which we've been talking about the power of hospitality, the power of hospitality, both given and received, that it can change us, right? In particular, it's focused on these encounters with Jesus from the Gospel of Luke in which people found themselves at the table with Jesus. And in the process, learn some profound lessons about themselves and the nature of the kingdom that Jesus was bringing near. Now, this morning, we're going to focus on this passage, as I already mentioned, um, about these two travelers on the way to Emmaus. Now, normally, oftentimes, this is a passage that we turn to at Easter. I've preached on it many times uh, at Easter. But, but it's also a hospitality story. And it ends um, at a table with Jesus. And there's a kind of a wonderful encouragement in this passage that I really want you to see this morning and to go home with. Um, Part of why I did that quiz this morning is because I want you to see how deeply embedded this idea of road or being on the road is, is in our culture. Indeed, uh, we could do a few more. Uh, Finish my sentence. We're all on this road together. Politicians like that one. One more for the road. Bartenders like that one. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. Satan likes that one. Again, all experts when it comes to road, this metaphor of road. And here's why, I think. Because we all have this sense as we're going through life that we're on a journey. Right? We're, we're aware of the road we've traveled to get to this point that we're at right now. We're aware of what's, what's behind us, what's in our rearview mirror, so to speak, what we've gone through. Um, we're certainly aware of what's happening right now, what challenges we are currently facing, what obstacles we have to overcome. And then, and then we're also kind of aware of the road ahead, right? what lies in front of us. Of course, there's always a limit to what we can see. The future is always uh, murky and, and not for sure obvious, right? It can throw us some curves sometimes too. But for most of us, we've got an idea of where we're going, what path we're pursuing in life. I'm going to get my degree. I'm going to get in shape. I'm going to start a business. I'm going to get married. Or I'm going to start a family, etc., etc., etc. Now, this story that we're about to read helps us understand three really important realities about this road that we're on. These three things. First, first, there is a purpose to what we've been through. Number two, there's a person that we can walk with and personally trust. And then three, there's a place that we are headed to. But, but let's read the story now. If you have your Bibles, we're going to turn to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. Whenever I use this Bible, I'm always reminded of the cartoon where 
There's this pastor, he's desperately searching for his sermon in, in his Bible as he's in the pulpit uh, on Sunday morning. And it says, caption, it says, that was the moment that Pastor Smith realized how much his bathroom kit looked like his Bible. <laughs> so that's not the case this morning. I have a real Bible here. So Luke chapter uh, 24, on the road to Emmaus. Now, that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, verse 13, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know about the things that have happened there these days? What things? he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what's more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us that they'd seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see. But him they did not see. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, saying, stay with us, for it's nearly evening, the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. They found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, it's true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way. And how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Now, um, this story uh, takes place on this road to Emmaus. Now, just in case you're wondering, the actual location of this place is a bit controversial because it means hot springs, Emmaus. And there's a bunch of hot springs within walking distance of Jerusalem. But most scholars believe that it's actually in a place called Canada Park. I think we have a picture of this. So this is what most scholars think is where Emmaus was in those days, about 12 kilometers from Jerusalem. But um, beyond geography, it's a story about this confusing, uncertain road that these disciples of Jesus are traveling that day. Now, one of the questions that often arises in conjunction with this passage is, why didn't these two followers recognize Jesus? I mean, it appears that they are quite close 
to the 11, right, to Jesus' sort of inner circle of disciples. I mean, they go back to Jerusalem after the story to talk to the 11, right? So it seems very unlikely they, they wouldn't know what Jesus looked like. Now, some people have proposed that Jesus was cloaked in some way or it was dark outside, but that doesn't really make sense either. I think it's clear, and this is an important biblical principle, by the way, that Jesus, post-resurrection, has the ability to reveal himself when and where he chooses. Let me say it like this. I believe that a resurrected body has some power that a moral body does not. For example, walls and doors seem to be optional for Jesus. A resurrected body can appear and disappear as it does in this story. It can take different forms. And yet, and yet, and this is also very important, there's a kind of a continuity between Jesus' resurrected body and his mortal body. He goes into this room, and what does he show his disciples? He shows them his scars, right? The nail impressions in his hand, but they're healed. And Jesus can eat, right? You also find that out in the next passage after the one that we just read. He's not some kind of ghost. Now, I could, I could preach a whole message on this topic because it's fascinating. But if you think about it, it, it all makes perfect sense. As mortals, we are assigned to this particular space-time continuum, but Jesus no longer is. He continues to exist for sure, but it appears he can pass in and out of this dimension as he chooses in whatever way he chooses. And this is consistent with the Old Testament. It's consistent with angels. Now you might ask, what about people who have died? Christians who who have gone ahead of us, can, can they do the same? No, why? Because they have yet to receive their resurrected body. Just read the Bible. Now I know we're getting a little deep here. And you can talk to me after the service if you're interested. But I think it's a question that we all have as we read this passage. Suffice it to say that these two travelers to Emmaus are prevented from recognizing Jesus until he chooses to reveal himself at the end of the story. Jesus needs to have a conversation with them such that they can carry it back to the disciples. That it's not muddled by the emotions that they would inevitably have felt if they knew it was Jesus. A conversation that that needed to be recorded by Luke, the gospel writer, for our benefit some 2,000 years later. What benefit? Well, that brings me to the three things I already mentioned this morning. First of all, there's a purpose to the past. There's a purpose to the past. What what I love about the story is the fact um, that in the whole resurrection story, you, you see how human people are, how they react in a very human way. People react to to the the events of Good Friday, the crucifixion, to the events of Easter Sunday in in a way that we might expect, with uncertainty and doubt. Luke tells us in in the passage prior to this one that that some of the women, all Marys, they arrive at Jesus' tomb and they come back to the 11, they say, Jesus is not there. And we saw this, this, this vision of angels who told us that, why are you looking for the living amongst the dead? And the disciples respond this way. They say, it all seemed like nonsense. I mean, 
wouldn't it to you? I mean, listen, Marys, we appreciate your enthusiasm, but we saw Jesus die. We know what death looks like, and dead people don't come back from the grave. And these two travelers are probably in the same boat. Why are they on their way to Emmaus? Because I think they had kind of given up hope. They were not hopeful of Jesus' resurrection. In fact, they've pretty much resigned themselves to the fact that Jesus has died. What do they say to this incognito Jesus? They say, but we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. But we had hoped in the past tense. These are words spoken by people who are, are deeply disappointed. I mean, these two, quite obviously, were going home. Adventure over. Time to go home and go back to their ordinary humdrum lives. For a time, I'm sure they were so excited following Jesus. They'd seen Jesus heal people. They'd watched Jesus just, just speak this amazing truth into, the, into people's lives. They'd probably held palm branches in front of Jesus as he rode victoriously into Jerusalem just, just, just a little more than a week before. But now, now it seemed that everything was lost. Jesus was dead. Israel's redemption was not going to happen. Hope, hope had died. Max Licato in his book, God Came Near, articulates how these two travelers felt in this moment. And by the way, how many of us feel sometimes, he writes... But we had hoped. How often have you heard a phrase like that? We were hoping the tumor would be benign and the doctor would release him. I had hoped to pass the exam. I had hoped to be married by now. We had hoped that our child would be happy and successful and not a charity case. Words painted gray with disappointment. What we wanted didn't come. What we didn't want happened. The result? Shattered hope. We trudge up the road to Emmaus, dragging our sandals in the dust, wondering what we did to deserve such a plight. What kind of God would let me down like this? Have you ever been there? Things in your life didn't turn out the way you expected. People you trusted let you down or worse, betrayed you? All your hard work and dedication to your profession turns against you, and now your financial future is in jeopardy? You've always taken care of yourself, but now your body is, is failing you in ways that just don't seem fair? But now Jesus appears on the road you are traveling, and even though you may not recognize him at first, he has a word for you. And it's kind of a jarring word in the beginning. What does Jesus say? He says, Oh, you of little faith, a foolish you, he says to these disciples. But you see, what Jesus is trying to do is Jesus is trying to get their eyes off just of this immediate small little world that they're inhabiting. This, this, this small world that they can only see with, and, and, and taste and touch in the immediate. And he's trying to help them understand that there is that there's a big story that God is telling in, in human history. 
He's trying to open their eyes to the fact that God, that God has a plan. And this plan is unfolding before their eyes if they just pay attention. Now, in some ways, it's, it's kind of like, it's a bit of an unhelpful cliche, right? Some of you have been there, you're going through something difficult in life, and, and maybe somebody comes up to you in church and says, well, you know, it's all part of God's plan. And you're like, great, if, if this is God's plan, then I want no part of it. Listen, friends, and and, and listen carefully now. Jesus is not saying that he wills all the painful things that happen in our lives. Okay? Remember, this is a broken world that we live in that's infected by sin, a sin and, and darkness that taints and tarnishes everything. And such, there will be pain in this life. There will be difficulty. Jesus does not choose the cross because he relishes pain and affliction. No, he chooses the cross in order to overcome what this world can throw our direction. To overcome the affliction of this world. But this he would tell you in some of those darker moments in life. If he found... If he found himself journeying with you this morning, he would say, listen, whatever you've been through, whatever treacherous road you've traveled to get here, it's not in vain. It's not meaningless. This is why I came. What is the most important thing that Jesus communicates to these travelers on the road to Emmaus? And what he's communicating to you this morning, it's this, that whatever you might think, God is on the throne. God is in control. God is at work in human history, and he's taking all things, including all the pain and all the difficulty that you've been through in your life, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and he's turning it to our benefit. The book of Romans says it like this, and we know that all things, that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. How foolish you are, Jesus chides these disciples. Haven't you read your Bibles lately? It's been clear from the beginning, the Messiah had to suffer these things and then enter his glory. And then I love the next line in this story. Jesus says, and beginning, or, or, and Luke tells us, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. Wow, would I have loved to have been there for that lecture. I mean, the only thing I can compare it to as I was thinking about it this week is, is that movie, The Sixth Sense, right? How many of you have seen that movie, all right? It's an older movie. I remember actually seeing it here in Abbotsford. This was years and years and years ago. Um, but there was a twist at the end of the movie that if you didn't see it coming, it's like you're like, oh, my, right? I, I know I was, I was gotten by it for sure. But what you do is you're leaving the movie theater. You go back to the story and you go, oh, yeah, oh, of course. And then, oh, how can I not see it? How can I not see it? And, and in, in some ways, it's kind of like this, this moment, right? Jesus goes back into the Old Testament and he says, and he says now listen, you pay attention. See, this is, 
This is what was written by the prophets. This is what David said. This is what happened. Don't you see how this all points towards this moment in human history? To the Messiah, to the cross, to the resurrection. I mean, just take this one passage from the book of Numbers. This is the prophet Balaam speaking. He's talking about the Messiah hundreds of years before he comes, right? This is a great Christmas um, text. Balaam says this, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. A lot of people think that this is the very text that the Magi saw. And they saw the star. God, God is orchestrating things. God is, is in control. In the moment, in our small little worlds, when we're start struggling with the difficulties of the day, we may not see it, but it's true. It's true. There's a plan, friends. You're part of a bigger story, a redemption story. And then the second thing, and this is even more comforting for you this morning. Jesus is with you. Jesus is with you. One of the cool aspects of this story is that, is that despite whatever trials you are facing right now, you may think, you may think you're walking alone through it, but you're not. Though it might not be obvious to you, Jesus, Jesus is walking with you. One of the great promises that Jesus makes to his disciples is this, Matthew 28. All authority in heaven and on earth have been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And now listen, and surely I am with you always. Where? To the very end of the age. No matter where you go, whatever you encounter, I am with you. I remember something that happened to Sharon and I uh, fairly early on as we were planting uh, churches in Edmonton. And um, I probably have shared this story before, so forgive me if you've heard it, but um, it's one of sort of the pivotal stories, um, things that happened, at least in my life, my faith journey. Um, I was having a bad church planter day, and uh, you know, uh, there was number, a number of them, right? Uh, things had just not gone well that whole week, in fact. And I remember being in the car and just saying right out loud, saying, God, is this worth it? Right? All this, you know, moving my family from Abbotsford, moving it here all the way to cold Edmonton, and, and, and nothing seems to be going my way. Everything just seems to be a struggle. Everything seems to be difficult. Is this worth it? Well, nothing happened in the moment. No plane flying by with a banner or anything like that. So I went home, and I started to get supper ready. I started peeling potatoes because I'm a 21st century guy. And I got a phone call from a friend. And uh, this friend uh, was a real prayer warrior. And uh, he said to me this. He said, Bruce, I'm never coming to your church. So, well, thanks for the heads up. But he said, I promise to pray for you. And I said, great. We need all the prayer we can get. And he said, well, I was praying for you this morning, Bruce, and um, I truly believe that God had a word for you. You were on my heart, and 
I needed to call you today and say, it's worth it. Those were his words. And of course, just like, I can never tell that story without it just getting emotional for me. And Travis, of course, was in the room and, you know, he was, you know, dad's weeping and he's like, what's going on? I said, don't worry, some tears are good tears. I thought, Sharon and I were walking this road alone. In my own little world, in my immediate world, I could not see that Jesus was, in fact, walking with me the whole time. I had to have my eyes open. And I felt it in different ways many times since, this extraordinary sense that God is paving the way somehow. And not all the time, but, but there are these moments when, when you can just sense that Jesus is close. That Jesus is with me. And I want to suggest to you that he's with you this morning, right now. Especially, especially if you're going through something difficult. Like these two travelers on the way to a maze. I mean, they don't even know that Jesus is walk, walking with them the whole time. They write it off. They must have thought, wow, this is a wise guy, some theologian, some guru, some rabbi that we've lucked into as we're traveling to Emmaus. I can't believe he has such a vast knowledge of Scripture. But it's not. It's Jesus. It's Jesus the whole time. Now remember, Jesus left us physically, but he promised. He promised that his Holy Spirit would be present to us when and wherever we found ourselves in this life. What is the Holy Spirit called? He's called our comforter, the teacher, the guide, the friend. So you are walking right now, and maybe it's a difficult road. But then someone in your small group says, don't give up. Or better yet, they bring over lasagna. Never underestimate the healing power of a lasagna. Amen, brother. You think you're alone. But then there's a Sunday message that comes and the preacher turns to that passage in Colossians 3 which says, since then, you've been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. You think you're walking alone. But then someone does something practical to help you. They take your kids for the afternoon. Or there's someone who gives you some wisdom. Or there's someone who just listens. Just listens. Recognizing all these different ways. Jesus. Jesus is walking with you. And by the way, in this same regard, never forget. Never forget that you are Jesus' hands, his, his eyes, his ears, his feet. In this world, if you are a follower of Jesus, that is your job. That's why the Bible calls the church what? The body of Christ. So if God lays someone on your heart to help, then help. Do it. Don't ignore it. Don't ignore those, those promptings of the Holy Spirit. I mean, last week, it was just this simple act that so many people, so many of you participated in, right? 
they opened up your homes and there was, and there was hospitality and different people came over that maybe you weren't as familiar with. And, and the staff heard so many good stories this week. I hope you were a part of it. I mean, just, just this little act of hospitality, eating together. And as the body of Christ, we're ministering to each other. Reminding each other that we're not alone. We walk this road together. Didn't we sing about that this morning? Right? So don't despair. Like these two disciples that Jesus encountered, Jesus is closer than you can imagine. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Okay, final thing. There's a table set for you. There's a table set for you. This story ends at a table with these two travelers arriving with Jesus at Emmaus, and Jesus makes it appear that he's going on further, and they say, no, 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 no. You've got to stay with us for the night. They insist, right? They offer him hospitality. Come eat with us, they say. Stay for the night. And this is where I want to end this series. Whatever journey you have been on, friends, whatever twists and turns it has taken, whatever dark roads you have been down, for these two travelers, I mean, remember, it was a difficult and depressing road, but that's not the end of the story. This story, this story ends at a table with the breaking of bread. A table at which their eyes were open and suddenly they, they see Jesus face to face. That's why one of the ways we experience the presence of Jesus is when we take the sacrament of communion like we did last week, right? This is my body which is broken for you. This is my blood poured out for you. And their eyes were open, Luke tells us. And now, in this moment, they see things as they really are. And they realize that Jesus has been walking with them the whole time. What's more, Jesus shares their table. He shares a kind of a communion with them. And, and, and they recognize then, now, they've been looking at the world in the wrong way because... They've just been focusing on their own little things. But at the center of the big story, the story that God is telling in human history, there is a cross and there is an empty tomb. And that, that changes everything. Because if God can do that, if God can bring redemption, and if God can restore to life that which was dead, then we all have hope. Then your story and my story and every story can end at the table with Jesus. There's hope. And the Bible, the Bible loves to remind us of this, right? The book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, makes it abundantly clear that all roads lead to a feast, a table, set for all those who know and love Jesus. Listen to these amazing words. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder shouting, Hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. 
Then the angel said to me, write this now. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, these, these are the true words of God. I want to invite the band to come back up right now. And their eyes were opened. And it's my prayer this morning that your eyes will be open. Then maybe in the midst of this service or sometime this week, God will open up your eyes to the fact that despite the difficulties that this world faces, and there's so many of them, God is in control. And despite the challenges and the twists and the turns that you go through in your life, I pray that God will open your eyes to the fact that he's been there all along. It all ends at the table. Your story, my story, this tired old world story, it all ends with the hospitality of God, where the faithful gather from all across the ages. David will be there, and Abraham, Joshua, and Gideon, Mary, Matthew, the disciples, the Apostle Paul, it'll all be there. And Jesus will be there, leading the festivities, saying, oh, how I have longed to eat this meal with you. And there'll be a place for you like when you go to a wedding and there's like that name tag on the table, there'll be a name tag for you if you know enough of Jesus. You'll sit at the table, bread will be broken, and wine will be poured, stories will be shared, and laughter will be heard all around this wonderful thing we get to do, sharing this table together. Oh, how I work for that day. I hope you do too. Let's pray. I want to invite you, just in the quietness of this moment, just to do a little business with God. Maybe you've been focusing on the on the just the immediate challenges of the, the little world that you inhabit. And all you see are the obstacles. All you see are the difficulties. All you see are, are the challenges that you face. Every step on your road seems like a step uphill. A struggle. I would just would ask you to invite Jesus to open your eyes. Invite Jesus through the power of his spirit to come inhabit your heart, to inhabit your eyes and to help you see that his death and resurrection changes everything and that your story and my story ends at a table, a table of grace, a table of love, and a table of forgiveness.
say in your heart this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Keep opening up my eyes to that reality. Let's sing this song as a, as a response to the message this morning.
that uh, after the service, uh, the choir is going to meet the Christmas choir, meet for the very first time. There are rumors of pizza, so come for the pizza and stay for the singing, okay? Or other way around, whatever. Um, but pizza always makes it worth it. So do come. Maybe you're here for the first time. This is the first time you're hearing of it. You can still come. You can still participate in the choir. Um, I just invite you to extend your hands this way to receive the blessing of the Lord. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Cause his face to shine on you. Be gracious to you. May he turn his face towards you. And give you his peace. And all God's children said, Amen. Let's sing um, the doxology. This is, uh, uh, we just decided to do this this morning. Uh, just because it felt like we wanted to end this series um, with uh, just giving God the praise for all the good things that he's done in and through. Praise God.